0: I have,
1: I have nothing. That hurts. I've <laughs> given you nothing. After all these years, you have the nerve to say to me. Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at FaithPechTego.com. We're also on Facebook, just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from June twentieth, twenty twenty one. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your discouraged host, Pastor Jay. Inadvertently and, crushed Jay's soul. Right. Eleven seconds before you, hitting record. Uh, and joining me is Pastor Robbie, who the Soul yeah, Crusher, the Soul Crusher, who just said, and I quote, That's "You've given me nothing." And everyone called me in high school the Soul Crusher. <laughs> You've given me nothing, Robbie. Do you need to? Do you need to expand expand upon that at all?
0: Well. Yes, proper context is one of my favorites. So the... Which fits in well with the... I, I think so. Sorry. Dovetail. It's in context with their conversation, you might say. No, I just... Jay, Jay in, in his attempt to try to prep me, because multiple sessions of flying by the seat of our pants is not my favorite. And so I said, hey, can, we, can you give me something to work with here? And then we got on a, a very fruitful and intriguing discussion about things not directly related to the podcast. And then he wraps it up by saying, all right, let's go. We got it. Let's hit record. And I said, wait a minute. You haven't given me anything to work with. And then I deflated my friend. Except if you didn't passion.
1: say you haven't given it. You said you've given me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you said in all the years I've known you, you've given me nothing. You've offered, you. you have nothing to offer, Jay. I don't but nothing to is, offer, Jay. An, no
0: comma. That is an inac- <laughs> inaccurate Wait, representation. Comma. There's some creative license being employed in your reenactment. I of mean, our conversation. It's the heart of it. So, <laughs> so uh, nice. I forgot Maybe I, I f- peached the audio on that. I didn't turn it away fast enough. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Well, yeah. So I, f- I forgot. Oh, but
1: flying by the seat of our pants has worked pretty well. I mean, those have been our highest-rated episodes. Who, My data. Are people rating
0: these episodes?
1: Yeah. I, yes. Hmm. There's like the Nielsen ratings that come out. Okay. And our listenership. I actually i've gotten i've gotten more positive feedback in the past couple of weeks about these than I have really from both listeners. Yeah. There's like yeah. I mean it it skyrocketed.
0: It our feedback increased by three hundred percent. That's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. That's un, that's unusual for a podcast. So that should that's, get some. Right.
1: We should be getting phone calls too. accolades. We'll be getting some phone calls from the bookstores and everything. Wanting the, they're wanting to get their authors on here and say, okay, we're the fly by the seat of our pants, guys. We don't even want to know who the author is. Just have them call in. Yes, we'll just, just start talking. Just
0: look at the data. 300%, 300% increase. increase.
1: You'll have a 300% increased exposure by us not preparing. <laughs> so you clearly prepared, though, for the sermon. I, I did. Thanks for noticing. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was it was really well done. Uh, psalm 139 is is one of my favorite psalms. I think it's for a lot of people. Um but it, I loved though that you that you did split those up and that you dealt with the whole of Psalm 139 because I have been guilty because when you're preaching a psalm it's just because it is poetry and you're not necessarily digging into word by word or anything right. like that. Right. I I've been guilty of preaching the first, the first half of the Psalm and then yeah. saying like, well, okay, now David's <laughs> going to go on his here's little Here's a good rant. place to stop. It's a good place to stop. <laughs> right. And not because you're trying to get around anything, but because, because typically in my thought, I, I have to explain so much about mm. what's going on there that it, it feels like, man, is that what I want to do with 30, 30 to 40 minutes? Right. And, um, but you did it, you did it really well. And so I think, but I think the big, I think this is one of those podcasts where I feel like the big topic, the big question that is on everyone's mind, if I may be so bold, is you, so you make the point in the sermon that, um, that we all think we're geniuses,
0: right? <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. To some, well, yeah, to some degree, right.
1: But there is a reality that I obviously, I, I obviously think that what I think, is the most rational thought otherwise i wouldn't think it correct like it's it'd be a rare person that would say i i hold this view that i know is unsubstantiated and completely ridiculous and irrational but i hold it anyway because i like it right no nobody says that no so so we actually we we actually um are always doing this like we it's just how we're we're wired to right conclude something to have a formed thought and the reason why it's our thought is because we think it's the most reasonable. Right. And when we don't understand, I mean one of the things obviously that comes up here is that's I think it's why we get so frustrated with people of different viewpoints because we think certainly. If you were rational, I mean essentially what we're saying is if you were rational like me, then you would you would conclude You'd the same thing. You obviously agree with me.
0: Right, I mean, right. It's for you to disagree with me means you are illogical or foolish or or just a liar because you obviously agree with me right because it. you just won't admit that i'm right
1: you're afraid to admit it or you're 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 controlled by something else other than your ability to think straight so the question then becomes let's say let's say i agree with that i mean because that that is a big first step is to understand like that okay wait a second that's why So just because I feel really strongly about this doesn't make me right, and it doesn't make the other person wrong. It makes me convinced of my view, certainly, which that isn't always a bad thing at all, obviously. Um, But the question then comes: if I if I acknowledge that, and I say, okay, me being really sure about something doesn't mean that I'm right about it, and and in fact, like my heart will deceive me and and use my emotions to make me even more sure about it which that's a whole that's a whole thing like there's thing of thinking like you can separate your emotions from your thought and like well i'm just thinking rationally about this i'm not i'm not going by my emotions or feelings well that's which even if you could is not as advantageous as you think it is no no it's not
0: but you also can't do it right you don't it's 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 impossible (laughs) B, even if you could do it, that's not a win because your emotions are just as, or your, your, your intellect is just as tainted by sin as your emotions. Right. Right. And and what
1: typically happens, we don't even realize that our emotions, the role it plays is convincing us how brilliant our mind is. Right. So, so then, then we trust it even more. So let's say, so I keep, (laughs) I keep running up to this and then I keep backpedaling. So, you know, lay in the plane, Jay. Uh, let's say you actually, you agree with that. You say, yes, I know. I know my heart is deceitful. I know that um, I don't want to be wise in my own eyes, but how do I go about that? Like, how do I, how do I do that and not go crazy by just thinking like, well, man, can I trust any thought in my mind? Like, I, I think it's mm-hmm. warm outside. Do, am I wrong? Is it warm? Is it not warm? Like, I I, I think that I should, I think that I should go you know, talk to this person. Like, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? I, I, I help, I hold this view. I see this in scripture. Do I then, is the answer th- to then just not believe anything firmly to not be convinced of anything? Or is there like, how do I, how do I go about that in the day to day of um, like, what should draw flags to me? What, what, sh- how do I, how do I untangle this um, this kind of rat's nest of mm. what, is, what is me being wise in my own eyes? What is conviction from the Holy Spirit? What is conviction of God's word? What is, you know, all these things? That's a really good question.
0: And I, I think it starts with, with verses 23 and 24 with, with David saying, God, I, I need you to help me in this. Like to So if you're assuming my starting point is I admit I need help with this, then then my first step has to be, Spirit, help me. Like I need I need to pray and mean and then expect a response of correction and say I need, I need you to help me I need you to test these motivations I need you to bring to my attention either right now th- directly through your spirit or through the word or through people who, who are around me and know me well enough and love me and love Jesus enough to be able to provide biblical counsel to correct and redirect me um, I need I mean, I think that's the that's the first step. One, one of the things that you said in there that I that I would want to clarify is, um, like we we do grow in self awareness. It's not like we have right. zero self awareness or that we can be sure of nothing. That everything must be doubted. We do grow in our self awareness, um, most certainly. the The issue is that we know that we are actually growing in our self awareness when we grow, or, or, or when we when our, uh, let me start that sentence over again because that came off the rails halfway through. We we know that we are actually growing in our self-awareness when we trust our own self-awareness less and trust scripture and others' counsel more. So growing in my self-awareness is not growing in self-confidence and my own sense of rightness. Right, Growing in self-awareness is a, a significant piece of that is... Is growing in an understanding of how small I am how weak I am that and that that is not something that I fear Paul says I should delight in that because it's in my weaknesses that God's power is made perfect right so it's the more self aware I am the more aware I am of how possible it is for me to be wrong And how much I should not trust my own intellect or my own emotions because they're, they're, they are fooled by everything as nefarious as sin and to as mundane as I skipped lunch today. Right? Because I, I, my wife being completely unreasonable when I get home from work might actually have way more to do with the fact that I worked through lunch and I'm super hungry. And so I just feel super irritable. And she's not actually being unreasonable at all. I am just being ridiculously short-tempered. But in my mind, of course, and in my emotion, I have fooled myself into thinking, no, 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 she's being crazy And um, when really I need a sandwich. So in my self-awareness, in my growing self-awareness, I grow in my ability by this, by the power of the Spirit to take a step back in that moment and say, wait a minute, I should not trust my own feelings 100% right now like what's going on what is really happening here and 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 pause long enough to go i i really need to eat a bagel before finishing this conversation because i just i'm not mentally sharp enough to do this or i am holding this view and claiming it to be the word of god i should probably sit down with a person who i can look in the eye who actually knows me and is in relationship with me and say like is this does this actually reflect the truth of scripture? Because my tendency is I just Google somebody who's going to affirm what I already think is true and go, great, that validates my opinion. When, if I ask you, I'm pointing at Jay, as I say you, (laughs) um, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know me well enough to say, okay, uh, that's not biblical or yeah, that's biblical, but, you don't actually live like that. So I wouldn't be saying that too proudly. Like we need to we need to work on actually walking in obedience to that, which because just holding a right opinion is not the goal. It's actually walking in obedience to that thing. And so rewind, I need, I need to walk in, I need to ask the Holy Spirit for help. I need to search scripture for help in that and, and allow scripture to change my mind, even if I find it annoying okay, or so offensive. Let's, let's
1: pause there because you just... Unloaded a truckload of. You asked a nuggets.
0: really <laughs> nuanced question, <laughs> nuanced You gave question. me a lot to work with. I
1: know, and, and you said so many good things in there, and so I just want to kind of draw a couple of those things out. So number one, you, you're meant, you're talking about humility at the beginning, like so. There's a there right. So there's a humility that as we are sanctified, we grow in humility. We grow in understanding
0: who we are compared to God. And Which I think and, is what David's echoing in yes. this, right? When he's saying, yes. you made me, you right. knit me together, you know everything about right. me. What he is saying is, I am not a self-made man. Right. Right? I am not here by my own ingenuity and intelligence and work ethic. He's saying, you literally knit me together. Everything that I am is from you. And right. and, and, and that's the basis of his, of his worship. Yeah. So
1: I think, I so humility is never, is never wrong. Like your humility, true humility, true humility, right. True humility. Yeah. Not you know, just self-deprecation. False, yeah. No, yeah not self-deprecation, not like, not weakness or, you know, cowardice or anything like that. Like, right. I'm saying true humility, that the, the idea that I, that I understand that I am a creation of God, that my life is but a mist, that I am you know the the same type of person that says you know who who is who is man that you would be mindful of him you know how this this kind of humility is is a mark of a christian and um god gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud he is you know we are we are we are formed into. I mean, we're formed into humility. As we grow, we will become more humble, which makes us more self-aware, more open to others' views, less dogmatic, less um, insistent that everybody holds our same view. Yeah. Because we, because it's not about us. It's not about whether they agree with us or not. So that's that's one piece that you pulled out of there. Another thing, though, that combined with that is, as we grow in humility. We also grow in our fear of the Lord. So, a sanctified a person that's being sanctified will grow in their fear of the Lord. as we know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, there's this that those kind of go hand in hand. They're like they're like buddies. That in my humility before the Lord, I also have this fear of the Lord, which gives me more humility. Right. But the big thing about the fear of the Lord that we have to that we have to confront before you know as we try to think through these things. We have to confront the idea that like so I'm not God, that's humility, understanding who I am. But then also I my fears of the Lord, and I fear the Lord more than I fear being wrong. Mm. More than I fear right. finding out that I'm wrong. Right. I when somebody the more I've grown in my faith, I, I haven't always been like this, but I've seen this increasingly by the grace of God. That when somebody I respect teaches a passage of scripture or or talks about something that I that strikes me as wrong, that I disagree with, I when I am walking with Jesus,
0: I want to know if I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. Like I'm. There's I a eagerly delight because if I'm wrong and I'm corrected, that's evidence that I just became a little bit more like jesus right like there's
1: something beautiful there it'd be like it it would be like going out into a field and somebody and and me thinking that all the treasure was over in this corner and somebody says no no that's actually a small treasure the biggest treasure is over here well i want to know if i'm wrong right i don't want to stand there in that because i value the truth about this more than i value my being seen as right and i would rather be over there with all of the treasure with more of that treasure than over here with my kind of piddly version and right. and convinced that i'm i'm good so that's got to be our posture so our posture in all of these things is should be humility should be a fear of the lord over a fear like don't be afraid of being shown you're wrong
0: like there's just there's no reason to be afraid of that right um, if I'm unwilling to be, to be, sh- for it to be revealed that I am wrong, then, then is there, is there a third option? Because what it feels like is the only two things I'm communicating are either I already look as much like Christ as I possibly can, like I've arrived, right. or I already look as much like Christ as I want to, and I don't want to progress in that anymore. Like I am, I, mm-hmm. I am as sanctified as I care to be and i'm not going to move forward like is there is there a third option if i say i don't want to i don't know is there learn to grow no that's not a rhetorical I so. question oh. like i'm i, I, don't, I feel I... like that it's, it's pretty binary oh. like i'm either saying i have arrived right or i've gone as far as i want I've otherwise far, right. i delight in correction because yeah cuz you're either saying like in the illustration of the treasure in a
1: field if if i hear you say you're over in the corner you're like this treasure is amazing this is like 100 times greater than what you had over there if I either don't believe you right because I've just I have shut myself off to the possibility like I know that what I found is the best and that's it or I'm I'm basically content with this and just say I I don't need any more which I've mentioned before that that's kind of there's a lot of Christians kind of sign up for the bronze plan that we say like oh it, it feels like this you know do you want to follow Jesus and hear these different levels you've got the gold and you got the right. silver and you got the bronze and a lot of people just look at that and say you know what I'm good I'm good with that lowest level whatever the mm. lowest level is I'm good with that because I want to go to heaven hmm. but I'm not like I don't need to be on the all-star team I just right. I'm just good <laughs> right. with and and what we don't realize is that's not an option in scripture there is no the, those you look at the parable of the talents or you look at there's there's plenty of parables that demonstrate that that's not actually right.
0: an option that that is according to scripture disobedience to Christ that is right. a rejection of what he has called us to so there is no stationary option a moving toward him or a moving away from him right so figuratively okay. speaking
1: right right so <laughs> So, so we had that context he's so, everywhere. because he's everywhere? That's right. I know you did. You dropped that. It was so intense. I listened to it again, and it was it really came through in the recording. Oh, good. Um, so we've got we've got the spiritual thing. So I would I would kind of compartmentalize these, and so we have, um, which is funny because you talked about not compartmentalizing, mm, no, I but uh, I I I'll label them in these ways. So so we talk about these spiritual attributes. If you if you're in a situation we say okay well then how how do i go about this we we start with humility and fear the lord then okay so then practically okay if i'm there and i say okay i want i do want to know if i'm wrong i i hold this view and then on facebook i saw this or i heard this speaker or this author say this thing that is completely the opposite of what i think of this situation mm-hmm. um what like the practically um, what do we do? And you you mentioned you know a couple of these. One is obviously um, I I check that with God's word, mm-hmm. and I thought you did a really good job. You you gave a an incredibly important nugget in all of Scripture that we we say it all the time in different ways. But I thought this was another great time to point it out that when you're unsure, or when you or when you feel really confirmed in something, and a view is being challenged, and you're looking at a verse. The, the first thing to do is to just zoom out, just back right. away and get a bigger view. Because what often happens is we form a conclusion around a verse and then forever our paraphrase or our interpretation is ironclad, like right. locked in as the word inerrant word of God. And we just have to understand that's not the case. My interpretation of scripture is not inerrant. Correct. And so when I paraphrase and we don't even realize all the times that we do this, but when I paraphrase one verse or I take one little, a couple of verses and I, and I just, I paraphrase it and then my paraphrase becomes the word of God. That is one of the major ways that we get into trouble. Right. And one of the, one of the ways of defending against that is to just zoom out and say, okay, this is my understanding of this verse. Does this understanding fit in the context of what the author
0: is actually saying? Here? Right. Yes. In the me- in the immediate context and in the broader context, we've, we've had conversations before. I, I have a love, hate relationship with the word context because it kind of becomes the, the wild card in conversations where when, when you feel backed into a corner and you're trying to get out of it, one of the easy ways to do that is just say, well, you're taking that verse out of context and that becomes kind of the, the get out of jail free card, get out of uh, scriptural integrity and exegetical consistency free card. Right. Like, so just, well, that's not in context. Um, or, uh, or we can do the reverse and we can like, retroject all kinds of crazy stuff into scripture by saying well the cultural context was this therefore this means this thing that this has never meant before and so we we can kind of use that as a tool so we don't want to just throw that out we want to use it properly and when we're saying that word properly what that means is in the context as in the surrounding verses that are that are immediately around it that the right. author has what what is the author actually saying when they said that sentence because they didn't say a verse right like jesus didn't say and john 3 16 is this like he he was having an entire conversation with nicodemus and then we just for the sake of organization add these little verses in there but what's the whole conversation and then to be able to zoom out that second step and say and then how does this fit in scripture as a whole and understand I'm coming at this with certain presuppositions because the other, the other way that the, the, the dismissive, well, that's not in context that we can use is what I really mean by that is, well, that doesn't agree with my presuppositions, right? The, The context that I'm talking about is my predetermined conclusion. And that the way you just use that verse doesn't fit in the context of my predetermined conclusion, which is also not the right way to, to use that. So, uh, and and in this particular case, it was it was life giving to help provide clarity and what I think David actually is saying in there and took a passage of scripture that formally felt really disjointed and, and made it fit really hand in glove. Right. Yeah, I think it's so I mean so much of this goes back to
1: the idea of like if you're gonna go to God's word and you're gonna dig and look and and try to you're seeking truth, then that has to be that has to be your desire. Is is what is God actually saying here? Don't look for just defense of the presupposition that you already have. Right. And you know because yes, so often when you kind of zoom out, it gives you a little bit of it, it will help in that. But the the reality is, if you don't want that, like if you're just if you're in your corner and you're saying, no, I I have to, at all costs, what I have to do is I have to verify that I'm right. Like if you're, if you go into any of this stuff looking mm. to verify
0: that you are correct, mm. that's, you, you're just, you've already lost that battle. You've like, already not- decided um, from the starting point, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. Right. And I'm not allowing scripture to teach me. I'm just looking for a defense of my, of my predetermined position, which... I mean, Solomon and Proverbs would then call me a fool, right? Right. Because a fool does not delight in gaining understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Like, I just want a better way to express my opinion. Um, It's just, that's a a foolish way to approach scripture. And and you
1: don't, I guess one of the things I would say is we sometimes act like we're afraid that we're going to, I mean... yes, we are easily deceived. And so, yes, I know that you could, you could make the argument that, well, if I listen to this other viewpoint and I hear them out, like I'm going to find them convincing. Well, hopefully you're listening to the Holy spirit too. And you're, and, and you're looking at scripture, but the point is that seeking God in scripture and listening to the Holy spirit is never to be our fears of God, not of, of the truth. And if, um, you can rest assured that if you find out that you're wrong, that what you find will be better than what your presupposition was. Right. Like my whole life is a story. See, I, I think that part of this comes from my background of growing up in a church that did not teach the Bible. Uh, like I had to, I, I had to go through this all the time. Like I was constantly faced with situations where I'm like, yeah, but I've always understood this that way. And then you hear, someone teach or you hear, and you, you have people kind of push back against that. And that was a lot of, a lot of work. And, yep. and so I, I feel like I'm, I'm really thankful for that because it's not foreign to me now. I mean, now right. I, I get in these situations where I'm like, Oh man, this person that I really respect says this thing. And I, I think I disagree with that. And then I, I, I interact, I try to interact with that. Hmm. And one of the ways I do that. So, so here's another practical help that I think would, um, hopefully help people is and and so this is another thing that you pointed out of sitting down and talking with somebody that you know that you respect that um that loves jesus that is in the word and and maybe either has a different view than you or you know will push back on your understanding of that right because we can all find cheerleaders and absolutely and i even like i know that like i i'll i'll see something that frustrates me and I know I have a choice. I can. There's people that I could send this to and say, I mean, this guy's off the wall, right? Right. And and I know they're going to say, yeah. Um, but then there's other people that I can say, hey, help me, help me understand where this person's coming from. Like, yeah. Because I I don't see it. And so, so it's really critical that we're willing to have those conversations, not just with people who agree with us, but people who hold scripture and um but
0: disagree with us. I, I just can't stress this enough. I, I would even argue that's more important. It is. I don't is. need the echo chamber is in no way beneficial. A bunch of people all agreeing with one another first of all does not make you correct because there's plenty of practical evidence throughout history and current situations that we could point out and go yeah all these people agree and they're all equally wrong so people agreeing with you is not actually helpful and it doesn't prove anything having having differing views and and being able to round those things out together to 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 respect one another enough and i think that's an important you know when you said earlier like someone that you respect i think it's important to point out that by that we don't mean somebody who's better at thinking all of the exact same things that you think it's somebody that i know i know that they love jesus I know that they are pursuing him faithfully and they just struggle in different ways than I do and they hold certain differing views from me. And so I, you and I hold differing views on certain things and we hold each other in very high respect. And, and so like, we, we can be a good resource for one another when we say, hey, I'm reading this thing. I know you have a very different background and you come to some different conclusions on this I need you to help me understand this position a little bit better, which. And maybe... then you get irritated with me. Well, sometimes. Because um, that really does happen. I mean, that happened last week. You, you brought in a,
1: you know, something that you're reading out loud. And then, um, and then I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Fun fact, though, I ended up being, I ended up being wrong in that, at least in, in the conclusion that I reached on it. But but we push back on each other, and that can get irritating because our wiring is still right. like I well I still no, no, want to be right. I want to be right, right. and I want to be understood. Like right. it's it's. So I feel like if I if I give you so when you, when we talk about how this happens between you and me, when I present something to you, or I say, well, hey, I read this, and you know what do you think about this? And then you give me an answer, and it's different than my conclusion from it. Well then then I want to explain what my right. what my thought is and and then there is I battle this all the time there's this thought in my mind that if you
0: understand what I'm saying clearly then you'll agree with me. Right. And because if you don't agree with obviously I'm right, right. right and so your disagreement is just because I didn't explain it clearly right. enough. Right. 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 Which so, is
1: which is so it's funny but that's what happens right. all the time. And so one of the things that while you're doing that when you're having a conversation with somebody Another little tip is don't focus on conclusions. Like we get so wrapped up in the conclusion rather than the process of how you got there.
0: Mm.
1: That's that's critical, too, because I've said this many times. I've used this illustration where you could hold the same conclusion as somebody else, Mm. but for completely different reasons. And you'd have to say you don't really agree. So one of the examples I give is obviously the Bible is very clear that we are to care for the poor. If you only, if your conclusion is we should not have like our current welfare system needs to be obliterated. If you, if you hold that view, you could also hold that view as somebody else and say, yeah, we both agree, like no more welfare. But that person's saying that's because poor people are the worst and we shouldn't we should not care for them at all. Like that's their own fault. And hopefully as a Christian you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I actually don't agree with you, even though right. like because my motivation, if I want to reform welfare, it would be to make it more helpful.
0: Right. Not to not to penalize people in poverty. Right. And because I believe as a follower of Jesus, it's my personal responsibility to be very active in that. And I shouldn't just throw my hands up and expect the government to fix that. I need to be out there actually giving and loving and caring. Right. Which is very, which is actually the antithesis of the person who says, we should not, the government should not be doing this because poor people are the worst. Yeah. Because
1: it's everybody gets what they deserve. And so if you didn't, and, and so that's just one example, but it happens all the time where you could have a conclusion that's the same as somebody else. And so we think that people who reached the same conclusion to, to us as us reached it for the same reasons. And so we more identify with them than we do with the person that we actually agree with all of the path to get there. But then our conclusion is just different. right? And we see that person as against us and the person... And that's just a very pragmatic way of looking at the world, and is not how God looks at the world. Obviously, this happens. I mean, politically is a very clear example of how that happens, but it happens in a lot of ways, a lot of areas. Um, it can happen with uh, just biblical issues, and um, you know, it, we've seen it happen with baptism—that mm-hmm. you know, a view of baptism, whether you baptize believers or you baptize infants, that you there are people who baptize infants that I have far more in common with, even around the issue of baptism. Like what I believe baptism does, what I believe it symbolizes, what I believe, why God gave it to us. I agree with them, like all the way up to the point of, okay. And they say, well, therefore we baptize infants. And I say, "Ah, therefore I baptize believers who have decided in to follow Jesus. And Versus, like there could be somebody who believes in, in believer's baptism, but it, but we don't agree at all right. in the process of how we got there. So that's kind of a long winded way of saying, when you talk with somebody that you disagree with on a conclusion, listen to how they got there. Ask the question, why, like, why do you think that? Well, why, how did you get there? Yeah. And you may find, as I have many times in conversations with people where they say, well, I agree with all that. You say, right. okay, well then we actually agree on far more the here. the most important things. Right. And and the process is, is that's actually, those are the things that you're, that's where you'll un- uncover a lot of these inconsistencies and a lot of things that should be red flags to us. Because when somebody says, um, like if somebody says, well, you say, well, why do you believe this? Why do you hold this view? Well, that's because it's God's word. That's what he says. Okay, but yeah. where? Right, like why, and 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 if a person can't respond to that, well, then you're just parroting something. Right. So, so it's a good exercise, even as you're talking to somebody else, to ask yourself, like, well, why do I believe that? Where does it say that? What's the context there? And the beautiful thing is, there have been a lot of times where I have done that and entered in conversations. There are a lot of like um, cultural issues over the last decade or so where there have been people who have said, okay, this is a way to interpret scripture faithfully and to hold this view. And I'll say, I, I don't, I don't think you can, but you're making this claim that this is what scripture says. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to read through it. And then there have been times where I've done that and said, nope, I'm not, I'm not with you there. Like I, I think, but, but I feel more affirmed than if I just listened to the conclusion and said, nope, You don't you don't hold the view that I hold currently. Right. If they're if they're claiming that scripture and if that scripture is leading them to this understanding, then
0: and they're a brother or sister in Christ, then I'm gonna I wanna listen to them. Right. And the and the danger in not listening to them is what if, as is often the case, the Holy Spirit is the one who is bringing that message to my attention because in his deep and abiding knowing love for me, he says, you are wrong and I need to correct you in this. So please listen to this differing view because I love you too much to allow you to continue in error. And if my response is, whoop, this person disagrees with me, so obviously they're wrong and I don't have to listen to any of this, it's the Holy Spirit of the living God that I am rejecting. He's the one that I'm saying, nope, I have no interest in you teaching me and you growing me and you chipping away at these things that are a marred reflection mm-hmm. of you so that i can greater reflect the glory of god like that's that's a poor choice for a believer to make i i don't like the feeling of being corrected right there's very few who would say like my favorite is when people tell me i'm wrong however i love the feeling of 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 after that correction of feeling like man my father loved me enough to actually teach me this thing and so i love having friends that that i can call that i know hold very differing views than i do but who love jesus that i can say hey let me let me bounce this idea off of you what are your thoughts on this thing and sometimes like you said i walk away from that and saying now, I still feel pretty confident in where I feel like the Spirit has led me in, in this understanding of the word here, or what obedience looks like in this. Sometimes they convince me otherwise, and I go, man, I've been wrong. Like, I have, I have held an incorrect view. There are some pretty significant things that over the course of my sanctification, I have changed in my view because I realized that view i was holding before was not based on biblical fact it was based on logic or it was based on this particular group of teachers who all hold this view it was not based on the holy spirit affirming his word and in his love he corrected me in those things and sometimes it's just a, a slight rounding out maybe the maybe the filing down of the sharp edges of my current view mm-hmm. right it's not a radical right. change yep. it's just oh this is actually true but i can act i can most certainly say that people who hold a differing view also love jesus and are not heretics like because i understand how you arrived at that i don't agree at all but i completely believe that that you are faithfully pursuing christ and and being faithful to the word that you arrive in that so it just allows me to soften the sharp edges and have the grace that my jesus commands me to have for my brother and sister and sisters which I think we should take comfort in the fact that we
1: have 2000 years of church history of this happening, right? Where they they battled over all kinds of things. And the way they did was they would, you know, they get into a room and they would hash it out or they would write out response to response. And it was this idea of people trying to seek God and, right. and then defending that and defending like, this is why I arrive here and sharing that process with them. And then, um, and and in the end the church so often has has landed where okay we differ in this yeah but this is not like that's different than labeling something heresy sometimes like there is a heresy like when someone denies the trinity or right. or how we are saved but those things kind of come out and you realize okay i these are things i don't have to i don't have to worry about falling into this ditch because i i'm I, there's there's a lot of history here to to help us, um, right. but we do need to have grace to understand that um, that pursuing Christ is is more important than the conclusions uh, in so many ways. Because when you pursue right. Christ, you eventually, all of us eventually will have all the right conclusions. But without Christ, you can have all the right conclusions you want right now, and it and you're still dead still in your lost, sin. Right, I'm still dead. So, so definitely abiding in Christ, and and the way of doing that of honoring him in that in conversation, I, there are there are a lot of ways in which this happens. I just think that right now in the church, especially, I mean, like this it is it can be disorienting. I just want to kind of, and and this is kind of my bow, and you can you can add anything you want to, yeah. but my plea, church, is that in this era right now where there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of division that's being stirred up and wanting to turn us against them and, 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 and turn us against us and turn us against us. Right. Well, yeah, it's, it's turning some of us into them <laughs> right. to become the new us against them. And I just want to encourage the church to just slow down and zoom out and, and have some perspective, both historical perspective, um, geographical perspective right now of what's going on in the church in the world and where God is really moving and, and what's happening and, um, and, and then to, and to listen and, and it, it can be hard. I mean, I don't remember a time, but certainly in the last few years where you have people, especially you think about speakers and authors and and pastors who, we're always seen as in the same camp and now they're saying things that are opposing to each other and it can be very disorienting. Yeah. And I just want to encourage us that that a skill we're going to have to we, we're going to have to learn the skill. We need to be marked by humility. Our fear needs to be in the Lord, not not in not of like being corrected. Like our fear is of the Lord. And and then we need to seek seek truth, not seek verification of our own stances, but seek truth and listen to why does this person get to this place where they were and and to be able to zoom out and 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 just completely orient our whole desire to saying okay wherever I am I want to abide in Christ yeah that is more important to me than any camp it's more important to me than any conclusion I've always held it's more important to me than being vindicated in the face of of people in, uh, who who I think oppose me or oppose God. Yeah. More than any of that, I'm, I'm going to trust God with all of those things. And I think if we can do that, then I think the church will come through this this era and the season stronger. I mean, I believe it will really? anyway. But it's just a question of who's going to... And we have to be reminded again in history, if you look through the history of the church, and you don't have to go back very far. You can go back 30 years, all the way back to the beginning. There, In every era, there has been there have been eras where we we could say to the church if if they would have done this like things would have been better like there were definitely people right. during the crusades who said we should not be doing this but those people were seen as crazies right be, um there were definitely there were definitely christians who were anti-slavery right but they, they were, were viewed as
0: unfaithful they were unbiblical. viewed
1: as, right and so we just need to pursue Christ and
0: kind of and humble ourselves before the Lord and put our fear in the Lord. Oh, I think that's really good. I think, I mean, in that, in the idea of context of if like I, I am the verse, right? So I need to look at if it's, if we're saying it's not good to just look at the verse, you need to zoom out a little bit and look at what's around it, right? You zoom out even further and see in the whole, the whole of scripture, like I am the verse, right? Just, just Everything being seen through my own lens is not good. I've got to zoom out and go. Okay, what's happening all around to me? What are all the, the right. presuppositions that I carry into this that nobody else shares, um, but are shaping how I view this? And then zoom out even further and say, How does this fit to your point within like history and, and the meta narrative of, of of what God is doing in and throughout all of history? I mean, we don't like you said. You don't have to look too far back in the church to for us to go man, there was a time where we were literally burning people alive or drowning them because we disagreed over little points of doctrine that most people in the church now couldn't even explain the difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like if we even said, here's position A and here's position B, I would argue most of the church would go, what's the difference? And But in to those people in their time— that difference was so important it was the only thing that mattered and it was worth murdering somebody else over and we look back at that and go that is absurd that is obviously unbiblical it is obviously christless and and like how bizarre that you thought you were honoring god by murdering your own brother in christ over this like minute point of doctrine and and we need to look at that and go, it's easy for me to, to, from an outside perspective to, to, to see that. But those people were absolutely every bit as passionate as we are right now about the things, the lines that we are drawing in the sand. And just like us, when we look at those things and say, but this is the most important thing. Nothing else matters if you don't have this thing. They thought the exact same thing. And, and future church generations are going to look back at us and they're going to, they're going to be things that they look at and go, why on earth were they willing to sacrifice this for that? That is so small. That wasn't what God was calling us to. How could they not see that? And, and so for us, that's why we need to to take that step back and say, look, I, unless my argument is I am omniscient, I have (laughs) all knowledge. The only other alternative is, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things I don't know and a lot of things I think I do know that I'm wrong about. Those are the only two options. And so if I start with that premise and say, man, I, I want I want to zoom out and see where does this fit in scripture? Where do I fit in history? Where do I fit in God's eternal plan in that sense? That not only, as you said, provides humility, but it provides, it, it, it shifts this thing That in my flesh feels horrible and annoying and actually turns it into an extraordinary gift that the creator God of the universe knows me and loves me enough to correct me when I'm wrong and say, no, no, I don't want you to keep following. I want you to look just like me. And so I'm going to keep bringing you back to my word until you see where you're wrong and I'm better because i want you to have the better i'm going to keep surrounding you with voices who are going to push up against your presuppositions because i love you too much to let you just keep walking in deception that is unbelievable to me like that that's why i understand when david says this knowledge is too high i can't even attain it like i can't wrap my brain around a god who is that intimate that loving and that because of christ we have full access to that Man, it, that should stir worship. It should. That's so
1: good. And I should let you have the last word on that. But wait, you're giving me si- hand signs. The people can't see you, Robbie. I'm saying you, I'm saying you wrap it Yeah, they oh, can't see because, because...
0: <laughs> I want only you to see. That's the point of
1: using hand <laughs> yeah, not, signs yeah, when you're yeah. recording. I'm transparent. I want everybody to see that you're okay. giving me the cut it off. The, hey,
0: you finish it off, Jay, because we we're out okay. of time. Because we're out of time. the hand <laughs>
1: But I do, I do want to, I I want to close then with this, that we tend to then think very big picture things. And so we're talking about politics and we're talking about like these big theological issues. I do want to make it really clear. You pointed this out in the sermon that it was this really, these really huge things that David's talking about and then even sitting down. So I think so let that also be an encouragement. If you're in a situation where you're just tired of all this, that you, you have no problems. Like you, you have your views on these bigger things or whatever, but you're good. Like you're good with other people having other views. You understand that. And so you just think this only has to do to the, with that. It, it doesn't. It's every moment, every day. Um, it's, right it's in how we spend our time and what we do like with hobbies and how we spend our money and how we're interacting in our families and how we're interacting in our workplace it every day god is is leading us in truth and understanding and he will give he gives to those who ask and so if if you think for example that you understand how you are supposed to function in your workplace and how you are to love you, and you feel like you have reached a conclusion this is how to do it i would just encourage you this is another way like well asking god okay god search me and know me this this view i have of my coworker like how i want to i want to grow more in that i want to learn more what it means to love them i don't want to rest on what my understanding was yesterday or the day before mm, if i hear a testimony from somebody else and i and it um you know sometimes it'll happen or someone gives a testimony of Like, well, we, we gave, um, we took our stimulus check and we just gave it away. And, and I'm sitting there thinking like, ah, I don't, I, I was going to buy a boat. And, and so then eventually, you know, the same kind of things happen that happen when political stuff gets thrown in. When somebody says something like that, you, you start to say like, well, are, you know, am I wrong for doing that? And I can get defensive and then I can not celebrate what they did because then maybe that means I'm supposed to do it. And ultimately I'm still trying to protect my conclusion that this is what I was going to do with my stimulus check, rather than trusting God and saying, okay, God, what search me, I have this desire to do this thing. Like if this is wrong, let me know. And, and being willing to talk to other people about that. And then maybe at the end of that, you feel affirmed, like, go ahead and buy the boat. Like, this is what you're going to do. They go do it and do it in freedom and enjoy that. Or you see that there's something better and you decide to use that money in a different way. And, um, better is better what's better is always better. It, it just, it's, it is. And, and so I do want to encourage you in that. Like, I want to be careful that we're not always going in such big things that we forget that it is our faithfulness to God in the day to day, in the sitting down, in what That's we right. eat and what we drink. And you did such a great job of pointing that out. And so I, I kind of want to end the podcast with that, that all of the little things matter. Small things become big things in the kingdom. Um, small decisions of faith bear great fruit. And, and so be encouraged in that, that in everything it, you are able to glorify God, even in your sleeping and your waking and your eating and you're lying down and how, and how you, how you treat the very next person you come into contact with after you stop this podcast, hmm. all things to the glory of God. So hope that is encouraging to you as always. Let us know if you have any questions or anything that we can do to help you in your journey of following Jesus. Until next time, grace and peace.